Welcome back to New Rockstars. This is The Big Question, the podcast that gives you too much information about time travel. A plot device so tempting it has infected all fiction from the Nolan Cinematic Universe and superheroes to Game of Thrones and Hugh Jackman rom-coms. But, you know, if it's so easy, why am I not constantly having assassins from the future trying to sneak up behind me and kill me? I mean, you would think that once you open that can of worms or yeah, I guess keep that Schrodinger's cat box closed, all kinds of crazy eventualities would be theoretically possible, but uh, I guess not. Yeah. I'm Eric Voss and here with me is the hilarious nerd and host of Correctamundo on the El Rey Network, Hector Navarro. Thank you so much for having me, or should I say, thank you so much for having had me. <laughs> yes, make sure you get that correct grammatical tense there. I Future perfect, perfect, perfect. I'm so glad you're on the show today because I'm a time travel nerd. I know you're a time travel fiction nerd. We're going to dive, I think, deeper into this hole than anyone else on YouTube ever has. I'm ready. I'm ready. The cinemas are gradually reopening as we speak. I don't know if that's a good idea, but um, like the technology of time travel, it's a risk that we're inevitably going to take. Fittingly, two of the big releases right now deal with time travel or time manipulation, Christopher Nolan's Tenet and Bill and Ted Face the Music. And Tenet especially looks like it's going to be changing the game in terms of how time travel works in movies. Nolan is definitely a madman trying to root his logic in real world physics. Uh, let's figure out how that's going to work. So what's yeah. the big question this week? The big question is, Eric, what are the different versions of time travel and which version gets it the most right according to real-world physics? Excellent question. Oh, uh, yes, according to real-world physics, because a lot of screenwriters try to do it, and a lot of storytellers fail to do it. Uh, and Hector and I have watched probably nearly every, uh, or most of the big uh, time travel examples we've seen in TV, film, comics, everywhere. Um, and we can boil it down to there are at least eight types of time travel. We're going to break them down. And uh, we want to shout out the YouTube channel Minute Physics. They did an amazing visual breakdown of alternate time travel types. They created these lovely graphics. We love graphics here. But there are a few big types that they, they left out when they did a couple years ago and some distinctions that I think we need to dive deeper into. Oh, and before we begin, spoiler warning, um, because there are some movies out there that you might not have known are time travel, but the twist of them in the third act is that they are time travel stories. So if you have not seen one of these and care to watch it someday <laughs> just uh, tread lightly so uh the first type of time travel we're going to talk about hector is what we are just going to simply call the classic f it time travel so this is really the anything goes approach when it comes to time travel characters can travel back and forth within their historical timeline and yeah. there are inconsistent limits in logic on that travel and there's usually some silly magic device like a delorean a phone booth hot tub radio toaster etc so the examples of this most famously back to the future back to the future marty mcfly uses a delorean to accidentally rewrite history and it ends up being without him in it he starts to fade from the timeline but then he fixes it to make his future even better his dad becomes a bully novelist who yeah. enslaves an auto worker marty here's your keys you're all waxed up ready for tonight yeah really wrong lessons learned in that timeline wrong lessons learned and i i know we're going to bring this up later but then like the rules change in back to the future part two so this is so it really yes. is the it time travel Trilogy yes. is the Back to the Future trilogy. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Bob Gale starts and Zemeckis start to figure out uh, how to do it correctly as the series goes. Also timely, Bill and Ted is a f it time travel movie. They kidnap historical figures to help with their history report. And then mm -hmm. they end up uh, revising the future so that they're rock stars and they use George Carlin in a phone booth to do it. That's true. Though to, to their credit though, to the credit of the Bill and Ted scripts, 
I love the details of Bill and Ted being able to do things in their present by saying, we'll just take care of that in the future. And then That's right. like, it's like hinted at that we don't see that on screen or anything, but then like later Ted goes to put a tape, a cassette player to distract his dad. And they're like, what are we gonna say in it? I don't know, I'm over here, I'm over here, dad, because they needed somebody to distract their dad in the present. So technically everything still sort of checks out with Bill and Ted. Uh -huh. And did they rewrite the future? Or was that the way it was always gonna be? Question mark, but it is definitely for a it story. And you get to see Joan yeah. of Arc doing jazzercise. So it's super fun. That's right. And just because it's <laughs> it doesn't mean it's poorly plotted out. Bill and right. Ted, Back to the Future, two of our favorite movies of all time. And honestly, some of the best time travel fiction, just Correct. because by saying it, you kind of free yourself up just to have fun and not get lost in the details. Get the hell out of my car, old man. Another example of this, and they were trying to do Bill and Ted in the modern era, hot tub time machine is the same kind of thing as Bill and Ted. You know, Absolutely. they just use a hot tub. Deadpool 2 uses Cable's watch and they allow them to kind of redo the final battle. And then in the post credit sequence, he like prevents Green Lantern, X-Men Origins, tries to kill baby Hitler. So it's just kind of silly. It's like a cartoon. Uh, speaking of cartoons, Simpsons, the uh, Treehouse of Horror 5, uh, the time and punishment. Um, he accidentally sneezes on a dinosaur and then chaotically scrambles into the future into like an Orwellian, all kinds of crazy madness. Stupid bug, you go squish now. It's just <laughs> the funniest example of what we're talking about is the Simpsons. Homer being like, oh, remember what your dad said on your wedding day. If you ever travel back in time, don't step on anything. <laughs> and I always love that, uh, whatever that is, an anteater is just like, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> it's <my> favorite <laughs> things. Let's talk about 112263. This is a Stephen King book that they turn into a James Franco series. This one's crazy and I love it. They use a magic seller. They go back to the 50s to try to prevent the JFK assassination. But what's cool about this is because it's a Stephen King universe, like, fate intervenes. It makes it really, really hard to change the timeline drastically. Mm -hmm. And then when they do change the timeline, you know, even worse, fate plays out. But the, I would still categorize this in the fuck it category just because, you know, it's all set within one timeline where, you know, right. there are plot holes if you look too hard. Magic it. seller. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Of course, uh, you know, a lot of you Trekkies are like, wait, there's this Star Trek episode. There's a lot of Doctor Who, Star Trek miscellaneous episodes. And then Galaxy Quest, which is a parody of Star Trek, definitely use time travel in a similar kind of way where they just kind of rewind it back and then and then fix something. The Omega-13. Activate yeah. the Omega-13. <laughs> awesome. Which I think was the influence for the first J.J. Abrams Star Trek movie opening with Chris Hemsworth, where he says, we're executing General Order 13. Evacuate the ship immediately. That 13 is influenced by Galaxy Quest. A Galaxy Quest. Love it. Oh, full circle. That was Love such it. a cool thing. And the last one on our list here is the movie Frequency. Jim Caviezel, Dennis Quaid, father and son, a magic radio allows them to speak to each other across decades to help his firefighter father prevent his death, but ends up accidentally allowing a, a murderer to kill his mom. And then they fight the same guy past and present. It has my favorite time travel plot hole, Hector, in any movie, where once the timeline gets revised in the past, Dennis Quaid beats the bad guy. Uh, in the future, Dennis Quaid shows up randomly gray hair with a shotgun and blows him away, implying that in the revised timeline, Dennis Quaid must have been sitting alone in his bedroom with a shotgun waiting for the right <laughs> moment for his son to almost die and then showed up and blew him away. <laughs> for years I've been waiting. Yeah, that was an awesome movie when I saw it as a kid. I really yeah. enjoyed it. I haven't seen it in years, but I remember thinking it was the coolest father-son yeah. adventure movie <laughs> frequency. It's great. Uh, it's got a great Garth Brooks title song to it. On a prayer. Oh, it's, I'm it's there. Best. I'm yeah. there. I kind of sing it like Creed. That's not Garth Brooks. That's not how I Garth Brooks or Chris Gaines? I I don't know. We, do we ever really know? That's kind of like Either the Heisenberg way. uncertainty principle. If yeah. the box is open, it's Garth Brooks. If it's closed, it's Chris Gaines. Correct, correct, correct. Yeah, quick 
Quick question. Where does the time travel element for Men in Black 3 oh. fall into? What would I you? Is to... that also a fuck it time travel? Because I only bring it up because Men in Black 3 features pretty conventional time travel yes. where Agent J goes back in time and eventually you learn that he's in his own past and there's a younger version of himself there. But uh-huh. then at the end of the movie, when he was fighting Jermaine Clement's alien character, bad guy, he he goes forward, Will Smith goes forward, gets shot a couple times in the shoulder, and then rewinds time a few seconds. And instead of there being a duplicate Will Smith there, which would have been the established rules of that time travel right. movie, there's just no other Will Smith there. And then he's able to know what moves the bad guy's going to do, dodges them, and then defeats the bad guy. He ain't gonna be in Rush Hour 3. Where would that fall under? It's it's a hybrid, right? It's a hybrid between the fuck it classic version and then another version we're talking about later where it almost feels like Unstuck Mind, right? Like you're kind of a back and So um, I think in general, if the rules are not well-defined, it probably leans more toward fuck it, fuck it. In the same way that Austin Powers spy who shagged me, that's totally uh, a fuck it story as well. <laughs> Why not use your knowledge of the future to play the stock market? We could make trillions. Why make trillions when we could make... Aliens? He goes back in time and his teeth are not fixed. It's like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> doesn't make any sense. So um, is this realistic? No, not at all. This type is just fantasy. It's based on wish fulfillment themes. If I could just change my past, if I could go to the future. It's the share song that we should have heard. These stories really, as I said, they're all based on like one timeline. Each of them are set in one timeline that goes back and forth on. Uh, honestly, Hector, I regret wasting all of our time on it. So I'm going to send this version of me back in time just to erase it from this episode. Okay. What you say? All right, moving on to our next type. Type two of time travel is what we call the branch reality time travel. This is kind of um, an advancement. It's when the screenwriters start to realize, oh, we have to apply some logic we really want to play with in this genre. So in this version, when you make changes to the past, they don't rewrite history. They split the timeline into an alternate branch reality. And that original timeline is not changed or erased by this action. It's just like a, it's a more disciplined approach than it. Yeah, we were talking about earlier, Back to the Future Part 2 changes the rules. Talk about that, Eric. So uh, <laughs> Doc Brown makes that amazing, I think all of our hearts leapt when he got out that blackboard and drew the 1985B. We're like, yes, 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 yes. Uh, and talked about how actually history isn't set on one timeline. In this case, the sports almanac being given to young Biff to become basically Donald Trump. Third time's a charm. Right. <laughs> That's insane how history just kind of became the darkest timeline from Back to the Future. Yep. But it doesn't change the fact that 1985A still exists on the space-time continuum. They just have to get back to it. Sounds so, good. Uh, I two think, branch realities. <laughs> I think my favorite example of the branch reality time travel in recent years has got to be Avengers Endgame. I feel yes. that although there's a lot of confusion from audiences... To me, it's pretty clear sort of what they're describing for the most part. And Mm -hmm. we get visual explanations. We get Mark Ruffalo's Bruce Banner explaining it to us twice. It's given us endless theories and possibilities, but this is something that I think is, is pretty well understood. When they're traveling to 2012, when they're traveling to 2014, it is an alternate reality and those actions are affecting a different reality. We're gonna get a different Loki because Loki died. The Loki show is gonna be 
that 2012 Loki who disappeared. Yeah. And same for, for Captain America at the end of the movie. It's so weird that the screenwriters of Endgame claim that Cap lived within that timeline and became an old man just in the ice in the background when they were so clear that it's supposed yeah. to create a branch reality. I, I yeah. Listen, I think it's because those writers also worked on the Agent Carter TV show. They love oh, Peggy Carter. Yeah. How could you not love Peggy Carter? That's why we got the Jarvis cameo. Uh -huh, How could uh -huh. you not love Haley Atwell? And I feel that they strongly felt like, look, we established Peggy Carter, we established Steve Rogers because they wrote the first Captain America movie and every subsequent Cap movie. They really wanted those two versions of those two characters to end up together. Of course, we all would, guys. Mm -hmm. But that's not how reality works. <laughs> Definitely not. It's funny that, like, Scott Lang says, So Back to the Future is a bunch of bullshit. Which, like, every nerd of time travel in the audience is like, no, it's not. Back to the Future Part 2 clearly covered this form of logic. It's like he only watched the first Back to the Future and didn't realize that there's a second one that already Which dealt would with make branch sense. theory. It would make sense. Scott Lang seems like he's maybe not all the way up to uh, yeah. pop culture references. Basically any movie that deals with time travel. Die Hard? No, that's not one. And maybe that was like a meta joke by the filmmakers there. They're like, no, Back to the Future Part 2 is exactly what we are doing. They, they clearly do love Back to the Future, but I also think it was fun to actually see a movie reference how the first Back to the Future doesn't really make any logical sense, but no. who cares? We love cares? it. And there's been a whole bunch of uh, other examples of this. So A Wrinkle in Time, Adeline Langle, it's it's all based on like branch theory, multiple universes. Mm -hmm. Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 7, we won't go too deep into it in case you haven't seen it yet, but that it deals with that as well. It actually yeah. kind of clarifies a lot from it game um and then in the comics the dc multiverse from the flashpoint paradox and then in the marvel multiverse with characters like kang the conqueror they deal with like branch theory as well and then yep. the the rick and morty episode from this past season one of my favorite episodes of the show the vat of acid episode began by thinking it's a different type of time travel we're going to talk about later this episode but then was revealed to be like the rules of rick and morty it's a multiverse so every time morty was resetting he was actually going into a new timeline and then you mentioned the star trek one so star trek in 2009 reboot the franchise using time travel and they split reality from the prime timeline that's one that had william shatner kirk leonard nimoy spock leonard nimoy spock showed up in this movie but they went through a time portal along with nero and then they split onto a new timeline called the kelvin timeline and that's what all the jj abrams movies are set on which with chris pine uh, zachary quinto but that prime timeline is not erased all those blow your mind even exist. further i'm gonna blow oh, your yeah. mind even further do it do it do it to blow your mind for years star trek fans have been arguing about that first 2009 star trek film the J.J. Abrams Kelvin timeline saying, but it doesn't make any sense. If it was only Nero that went back in time and affected everything right from James T. Kirk's birth and beyond that, uh -huh. why does he look different than William Shatner? Why does he have different color eyes? Why does the bridge to the ship, the Enterprise, look different? Why is it bigger? Why is all these little cosmetic differences that uh -huh. would not have had anything to do with Nero? And the answer is because in Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home, if oh, we're to believe yeah. the branch reality timeline theory to be correct, in Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home, the crew of the Enterprise with the original William Shatner, Leonard Nimoy, Kirk and Spock going back in time, there they start to branch a reality because Scotty creates invisible aluminum or whatever that uh, that material oh, is. Yeah, to, yeah, like, yeah. They're, they're already like advancing science further than it should have been in the uh -huh. 80s. Uh, they also kidnap a whale doctor and bring her to their future present. Right, right, right. So in my theory, the Kelvin timeline is actually just further along in that original branch reality that the original crew already did. So where science oh. and technology might have been a little bit more advanced because of what they did in the 1980s in San Francisco, you get a Starfleet that looks a little sleeker. You get a ship that's a little nice. bit bigger. Yeah. So quit it with your constantly poking holes and stuff. Just enjoy yeah. Star Trek. Consider it a sequel to Star Trek IV The Voyage Home. You're welcome, Internet. You fixed it. <laughs> <laughs>
There's a there's a vent at the top that sucked up my hat. That's my favorite <laughs> Simpsons gag. I fucking love it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, is this realistic, Hector? Yeah. Mm, kinda. So the Endgame writers consulted with quantum physicists. After Sam Beckett stepped into the quantum leap accelerator, and they talk about the many worlds theory. This is a real thing in quantum mechanics, but quantum mechanics itself is not proven to be real yet. Um, but they hypothesize that this is how time travel would theoretically work. Uh, however, there are even more recent breakthroughs that we will come back to this episode. So uh, this is kind of like the the adolescence to the f*** it's childhood. Since it's not exactly accurate, I'm going to send Branch Timeline Eric uh, back to fix whatever the other Eric did. Good luck. All right, Hector, we move on to type three of our time travel plots. This one is called time dilation. Time dilation? What's that? So time dilation is when characters travel through like trippy space time and they uh, they experience time moving more slowly than characters back on Earth do. So this is the type of time travel you see in Planet of the Apes in Ender's Game, that great movie Flight of the Navigator that I watched as a kid. Yeah. Um, and, and then uh, speaking of Christopher Nolan, it says we can interstellar. So throughout the plot of Interstellar, that's McConaughey's big thing. He's like, I gotta get back home before my daughter grows older than me. And he, he you know, yeah. he, there's time dilation based off gravity because time, they say, is a variable, not a constant that's affected by the different gravity close to a black hole. And a lot of astrophysicists say this is possible. You know, they leave that poor guy up on the main ship for decades by himself. Why that guy didn't off himself, I don't understand. Uh, also, to just go back to that first one you mentioned, I remember the first time I saw Planet of the Apes. What a twist. What great a twist. twist. One of the best at twists. At the end of that yeah. movie, one of the greatest all-time movie twists to be able to say, nope, you're thousands and thousands and thousands of years on Earth's future Whoa. that you only experience because of time dilation. That's a classic That's right. one. Plus, Avengers Endgame. How else yes. can we explain Paul Rudd's slow aging? He was in the quantum realm for, for what was five years, but to him was only five minutes. But Eric, how did Janet Van Dyne also <laughs> age normally? Uh, I'm going to link you to this video. Okay. <laughs> but uh, basically, Janet didn't go through time. Not everyone who goes in the quantum realm travels through time. Oh. Only people who go with, into time vortexes within the quantum realm go through time. So when Scott did that, before Endgame changed the rules, I think a total of three times with its own movie time, Scott was time dilated there. So he yes. experienced five hours. The rest of the world experienced five years. And is this realistic? Actually, yes. Incredibly so. I'm shocked. Shocked. Because characters are not moving backwards in time. This version only applies to moving forward in time and it applies Einstein's theory of relativity and I would say on our list it is the second most realistic type so we're, we're making progress going back in time a lot of physicists are like we don't really have a good way to do that yet but moving forward in time theoretically possible so we're gonna send uh, time dilation Eric back uh, actually you know what it turns out he's already been in space this whole time and he's gonna go back and see if the other time Eric's um, can figure it out he's gonna go back and help but okay Okay, Hector, now we're gonna move on to a very confusing, maybe the most confusing form of time travel, but it shows up so often. It is called type four, this always happened time travel. <laughs> so if this always happened, <gasps> this is um, time that's set on a predestined fixed loop in yeah. which the very act of time travel itself sets the events of the story into motion revealed later in the story. The examples of this are Terminator, of course, one of the most famous time travel fiction stories. Kyle Reese was sent back to protect Sarah Connor by future General John Connor, but 
Kyle Reese conceives that John Connor with Sarah, basically justifying his own timeline. And yeah. and we see this again in T2. Miles Dyson explains how the leftover T-800 chip from the first movie is what made Cyberdyne's advancements possible. So without the time travel, we wouldn't have had all this crazy Skynet shit that we have to worry yeah. about. Plus, the end of those Terminator movies, at least Terminator 1 and 2, and then you can look at like Terminator 3 being different, Terminator Salvation being a different sort of yeah. version of time travel, Terminator Dark Fate... Each of those movies I just mentioned have an ending where they're able to still prevent the future or delay it in some way. So there's right. almost kind of branching realities as well, right? The, the, the yeah, future yeah, world yeah. where the Terminators came from in parts one and two was effectively delayed and transformed into something else when you watch Terminator Dark Fate. And then the end yeah. of that movie, spoiler alert, they saved the day again. So there's, there's a bunch of different stuff going on. I like Terminator. It's cool. Cool. Terminator's nuts. Um, now, the silliest example of it, I think, is Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Weird shit starts to happen that's unexplained, and then we find out that the person who cast the Patronus in earlier to save them was a future version of himself. It's it's a fixed loop. I'm not going to lie when I say this is maybe my most favorite example of time travel in a movie ever because I find it to be so airtight that I'm just it like... Is. That's, that's the way to do it. I love that stuff. And then Harry Potter broke this process by doing Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Spoiler warning does deal with time turners. Really? And... I didn't know that. Well, that sucks. Uh, that spoil- yeah. Um, you don't need to watch it. It's not canon in my mind, and it shouldn't be canon in anyone's mind. And that's the least offensive thing that play does. Uh, okay. That play almost ruined so many things in my life. I hate Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. I Actually, maybe that's what I'll do for the third question that we do later in this episode. Um, Yeah. Also, famously, in Game of Thrones, season six, this was actually the first video I hosted for New Rockstars. The Hold the Door episode. Bran projects his mind into Hodor's body back in the past. Hodor was a totally normal kid, but Bran so fried his brain to link with his present version of himself, so he's Hold the Door, Hold the Door, Hodor. That's why Hodor says Hodor. Wow. 12 Monkeys is another example. So in 12 Monkeys, Bruce Willis fails to prevent a past disease outbreak and dies in a way that fulfills his childhood memories of seeing his future self dying. Interstellar. There's another version of time travel in Interstellar. Really the big reveal at the end. Uh, So Murph's bookcase ghost was future Matthew McConaughey using gravitational forces to communicate with her. Cool and emotional. Cool and emotional. There's that weird moment where Anne Hathaway looks over and sees this weird swirling cloud and that's revealed later to be McConaughey trying to reach out to her in the past. Okay. It's a great movie. Just got some weird rules going on. One of my favorite examples of this form of time travel is the rom-com Kate and Leopold. Yes. Starring Hugh Jackman, uh, Sabretooth, Peter Sarsgaard, and Meg Ryan. Directed by James Mangold, who directed Logan and uh, Ford vs. Ferrari. And yep. you can tell he's just like, I'm not going to do a f- rom-com i'm gonna make it crazy <laughs> and it's one of these um this always happens stories because at the end of the movie peter sarsgaard realizes that meg and hugh belong together because his past visits to the past in the opening scene showed her already there he said your future oh. is in the past oh oh crazy twist when i so saw good. that as a kid um, and then the not that great movie, The Butterfly Effect, Ashton Kutcher uses his journals in the future. And then that's what caused his childhood blackouts that he grew up having. I, I would say this might lean more towards a type one. It. Or a type 0.05 punk. <laughs> that's probably what that is. <laughs> Ashton Kutcher punked time travel. What is that? Why is that a problem? And then uh, we want to talk about the movie Predestination. It's one of the most complicated time travel stories, but basically they try to address the grandfather paradox by making Ethan Hawke 
like kind of his own ancestor and then his own killer and his own lover. There's like a sex change. Oh my it's, God, I got to watch this movie. It's what? a crazy movie, but basically it's called Predestination because it's a this always happens story. Oh my, uh, wow. And real quick, um, Rick and Morty episode five, that was the snake episode of season four. Um, that was revealed to be a Terminator type plot. Actually, they did a little Easter egg. The ship was already there early in the episode where they were watching their, their past selves go through so they can close cool. the loop. And then the movie Looper, which yeah. is one of my favorite time travel stories. Ryan Johnson, like 12 Monkeys, Bruce Willis is in a, <laughs> goes on a mission in the past. But it's that mission that causes his target kid to grow up evil to one day kill his wife. So the act of time travel is what caused that dark fate. Joseph Gordon-Levitt sees this, closes Mm -hmm. the loop in the coolest possible way. It's great because this one actually gives the hero free will. So Mm. I like that. Yeah, it it also has that time travel logic of like somebody in the past is getting tortured and getting like their fingers and toes cut off. Yeah, 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 yeah. And in the present, they're just all of a sudden disappearing. So I don't know what kind of time travel logic that is either. But that was one of the reasons I could not fully get into Looper even though it's a fantastic mm-hmm. movie and it's so well made, but I was like, what's happening? What's going on here? How does this work? Yeah, Looper deals with like new memories that characters have, and they just yes. try, like, there's a great scene where it leans more into fuck it, where uh, Bruce Willis is just like, I don't want to talk about time travel shit. Because if we start talking about it, then we're going to be here all day talking about it, making diagrams with straws. Okay, movie. Let's go. Yeah, movie. That's great. <laughs> so, is this realistic? I would say depends on who you pray to. Um, because these stories are, I would say, are sometimes not even time travel stories to begin with because that reveal is really kind of used as, I'll call it I'll call it cheap. I think it's a cheap, cathartic reveal. It's a bit tropey at this point. It, it's, it's rare that it is such a payoff. And again, I use Prisoner of Azkaban as a great example where I think it was really well done in that movie. Same sort of thing with the book. That's a good payoff. And it's like, yeah. it's 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 rare that that reveal feels like that. Like, oh, the whole time. The whole time? It's usually more yeah. like, mm, okay, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At this point, it's, it's a bit done. And yeah. honestly, it poses some problematic implications about the lack of free will. Like, characters are interesting because they have free will. They can make choices. And if it's suddenly revealed at the end of the movie that everything they did was preordained, it kind of like... Mm. Well, I hope you don't have a sequel in mind because now it's like a Bible story, you know, (laughs) rather than are they scientifically accurate? They're more theologically accurate. So, um, you know, if, 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 if you want some spirituality out of your stories, which, you know, Harry Potter is a pretty spiritual story. Great. Great. Cool. That's why a lot of people love these, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to send, uh, this always happened, Eric. He's going to pray his way back to the past and he's going to have already been there the whole time. Good, because I'm not trying to go to hell, Eric, okay? I'm not watching <laughs> Harry Potter. That stuff's for the devil. I'm not trying to go to hell. <laughs> no Halloween, no Harry Potter. That's it. No Pokemon, no Harry Potter. Those are both banned at school. No Scarlet Witch. I looked into it. She's a witch. Um, witch? That reminds me of a... I forget where I heard this story, Eric, and you can cut this out of the episode if you want. Yeah. But years ago, I heard this on a podcast somewhere. I can't remember where, but somebody was describing when they went to go see the first Spider-Man movie in 2002... They were in like middle school or high school or something. Before the movie started, this like pastor of like a church youth group that was there got up in front of the screen and said, hey, I just want to let everybody know before we watch this movie, the only one who could climb up walls and shoot webs would be the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> like the audience booed this person, like boo, get out of here. So the, the inside joke between me and my buddy is whenever we see something amazing in a movie, we always go, the only one <laughs> who could travel through time and collect infinity stones 
is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That's, <laughs> that's the joke we make. And I think it's very funny. <laughs> Man, I wish I was in the theater. I, I, My favorite stories are the stories of like weird shit people do in movie theaters. It's yeah. always fun. It's so uh, great. I don't know how that would have, that would have changed my relationship <laughs> with the movie Spider-Man forever. Every time I watch it, I would have thought of that guy. <laughs> yeah. All right. So now we're on to type five, which you might argue this isn't a type of time travel, but we have to address it because it's actually very important in the history of time travel fiction. Seeing the future time travel this is where characters see a vision of the future that allows them to try to change their current course to avert that faded history mm. or i guess in some cases steer directly into that history right classically in greek mythology or greek drama there's oedipus rex he yep. gets the the premonition from teresius and then he ends up actually doing exactly that killing his father marrying his mother and then uh -oh. charles dickens explored it with the christmas carol scrooge was shown a future where a uh, Tiny Tim died, so he's able to course correct and, and not be such a dick. Minority Report, it's a very cool movie based on a Philip K. Dick uh, story. And then Spielberg made the movie where the precogs kind of are able to say who's about to die. And then by trying to avoid that fate, Tom Cruise actually goes into an exact version of it. Yeah. Reminds me of another couple examples. Arrival has a version of this. <gasps> yes. Right? Where Amy Adams, but you know, the big reveal by the end of that movie is that what we thought were her memories of the past and a child that she lost was her seeing into the future because of her interacting with these aliens yes. that it was going to be a child that she hadn't had yet. And she still decides to go through with having a child, even though it ends in tragedy. And right. her and Jeremy Renner are like end up like losing their kid at some point, but she goes through with it anyway because it's the love of a child. Another great example too, probably I would say a movie is as good as Arrival. Next. <laughs> Starring Nicolas Cage. He yeah. can also see the future. <laughs> yeah. That one's crazy. I love it. Yeah. yeah. It's insane because at the end of the movie, the big reveal is that about half of the movie didn't happen and that he's mm -hmm. sitting in a hotel room and he's like, I saw it all. I'm not going to do that. And then that's the end of the movie. That's yeah. bonkers that that happens. Yeah. There's also a Nick Cage movie called Knowing where he sees like there's a character no who's able to predict the future. Yeah, I think so. Knowing dealt with like numbers and numerology. Yeah. Yeah. Right, the, right. The, the big twist in that was that like he was able to predict when like tragedies would happen, like plane uh -huh. crashes and stuff. There's like 9-11 was on there, how many people die. And then that ended with aliens coming to wipe out the planet, except for a select number of humans, including Nicolas Cage and his son. Nicolas Cage doesn't make it. His son That's makes true. it. That's Nick true. That's true. Nick Cage burns. That movie's insane. <laughs> it's so crazy. Um, I'm so glad he brought up Arrival. Uh, Arrival's such an, a profound film yeah. that everyone needs to see. It's a version of like seeing the future, but it's also kind of like a weird um, this always happened type story. Yes. It's also kind of a weird um, unstuck mind one that we'll get to in a bit where a character is kind of like totally. consciousness is, is projecting forward in time. Yeah. It's, it's The best time travel stories are hybrids, I think. I just want to know before we watch Arrival, the only one who could see their unborn child in the future and be able to translate languages with aliens is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Now, uh, Rick and Morty Season 4 also dealt with this with the Death Crystals in the Season 4 premiere where Morty could see his future death and then kind of steer toward that or some other fate. Ooh, I know we mentioned this before with Star Trek, but speaking of crystals... In the recent series, Star Trek Discovery, in season two, they have a classic character, Christopher Pike, Captain Pike, who uh -huh. Bruce Greenwood played in the J.J. Abrams' Kelvin timeline, is played by Anson Mount in the new series. At one point, his character is able to see his own future and how oh. he ends up in a horrible fate that goes back to the 1960s original Star Trek show. Oh, and cool. it gives a new meaning to the character because the character decides to still forge forward and be a Starfleet captain knowing what his ultimate fate's going to be, which just completely added a whole nother side to the character. So 
if anybody watching right now hasn't seen Star Trek Discovery, pretty cool stuff in there that adds some pretty cool stuff to Star Trek. This message was brought to you by the CBS. And, uh, this kind of shows up a lot. Characters just like, kind of having a dream of the future. So Batman v Superman, there was a whole like nightmare right. sequence. And then Flash shows up. He's like, am I too soon? And we never really got to saw. Maybe the Snyder Cut will go into that. We'll see. Possibly. Uh, and and know. it's weird because it was still sort of a dream also. So it was. So does that count yeah. as, as seeing the future? Or does that count as the consciousness thing? Yeah. Like, like It's weird. The knows? dream was a dream, it looks like, but then Flash showing up did happen because it was after the dream and there were still papers floating down. And, it and then seemed he woke like up it, out of another dream. He woke you know up what out I of hope? another dream. We, yeah. we're, we just learned some cool stuff about this Flash movie. It looks like they're going to be doing Flashpoint and they're bringing in Affleck. They're bringing in Keaton. Like, this could be the movie that fixes everything that people didn't like about the DCEU and ends that version of history. And Not just, just that, but including every other... DC movie franchise. Yeah. Where's Val Kilmer? Let's get George Clooney back in the suit. Let's get all the Batmans. Let's get Kevin Conroy in that robotronic yeah. thing he was wearing in the CW show. Yeah. Let's <laughs> yeah. go for it. Yeah, I, I'm so excited for that movie. And then, yeah, you're all saying Avengers Infinity War. Doctor Strange had the vision of the future and then that affected like how they did everything. Is this realistic? Well, a lot of people don't call this time travel. You know, characters aren't traveling through time. They're just kind of like seeing things. But they are altering timelines. And I would say this is somewhat realistic because self-fulfilling prophecies are a real thing in human nature. True. People get fearful of what they might become and then become that thing. So, I don't know. I, but it's still not physically, scientifically accurate. I'm going to send uh, Seeing the Future, Eric, and I hope he doesn't f*** things up too bad. All right, we're moving on to type six. This is the time loop Groundhog Day type of time travel. You guys know this one. This is where characters are stuck reliving a day over and over again, and they reset back to a respawn point where whenever they die or fall asleep, become incapacitated. Famously, Groundhog Day is the one everyone thinks of, but also movies like uh, Tom Cruise's Edge of Tomorrow. Really great movie. The Doctor Strange final battle with Dormammu the Bargain. That was a Groundhog Day time loop. The Netflix show Russian Doll deals with this. The recent movie Palm Springs deals mm -hmm. with this. Uh, Happy Death Day. Both, those, But the second movie deals with like multiverse. The second, the sequel that's crazy and then the, yeah the rick and morty episode we talked about wonderful fiction i i would debate that this might not be time travel per se is it realistic is it realistic could somebody actually get stuck in a time loop i've been worrying about this since i saw groundhog day as a kid eric i mean we're kind of experiencing that now yeah <laughs> right it's realistic in that sense uh, <laughs> Every day is the same. Yeah. Despite all the quantum mechanics that they dig into in, in Palm Springs, I don't think it's realistic. So okay. we're going to send um, Groundhog Day, Eric, and he's the scariest because if you think about it, if you relive a day over and over, you basically become an immortal. You become a god. I am a god, you dull creature, and I will not be bullied by that. Careful, other Erics. This one's going to be a killer. Congratulations, you played yourself. All right, Hector, this type, uh, type seven, is my favorite type of time travel. It is called the unstuck mind. This is consciousness displacement. This is where cool. characters' minds transport back to a time when their bodies were a different age. So their bodies don't travel, their minds do. This is um, Kurt Vonnegut's Slaughterhouse Five. Is one of the first ones that really dug into this. Though Billy Pilgrim, the protagonist in that, does not have free will. He's just kind of a, a passive observer to his timeline. But the one you guys might know of is X-Men Days of Future Past. Right, so yep. Wolverine's mind, thanks to Kitty Pride, it gets blown back to his younger self back decades before so they can change the timeline. But don't worry, he's still ripped as hell. Oh yeah, even more ripped. If it's Even like more ripped than the first X-Men movie. <laughs> <laughs> 
The just 70s is crazy. Jacked. Now, the series Lost, if you watch that, there was the character Desmond. His uh, He became unstuck in time, his mind. And there's that amazing episode, The Constant, where past and future versions of him, he has like conversations with Penny and she is his constant. And she tries to like lock it. I'm tearing up. One of, if not the best episodes of that series and yeah. one of the best examples of what we're talking about. I feel like people still remember that moment in the show. And I feel like it was also a real kind of turning point within the show. I mean, the show had already explored sci-fi stuff before then yeah but that was really when it was like we're going for it we're going for it so hang on they did they made the island itself unstuck in time in later seasons yep. they they tried to stay true to it it kind of works not the people on the island the mm-hmm. people who came back were not unstuck in time i think right was that how that worked i think i need to rewatch that show i think so yeah i just remember there being a donkey wheel i also need to rewatch the show it's one of my favorites and it's always yeah. difficult talking about the show because i feel like if somebody hasn't seen the show it's the worst way to get into the show is to hear somebody to talk yeah about it. just yeah. watch the first episode give it a shot good point <laughs> and i ha- also have to say this the first movie script i wrote dealt with consciousness displacement time travel um it'll never get made but um i'm proud of what i did all right. Taught me how not to make a movie. <laughs> Don't make a college comedy that deals with crazy special effects and time travel. Wait, that's Happy Death Day. Shit, I should make this movie. So, is this form realistic? Well, the human mind, Hector, the human mind does find itself, you know, drifting nostalgically into the past. Sometimes, hopefully, idealistically into the future. One could argue this form of time travel is the most grounded in human nature because we're not always present, but it's not necessarily grounded in science. I would say as YouTubers, Hector and I drift all the time, our consciousness back into old videos whenever we watch ourselves uh, wishing we did things differently, 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 differently. Hi. What? Where I'm am Navarro, I? And I'd be a great oh my god. For a bunch of it's six Fuck years me. ago. I've been a comedian for Look at my dumb hair. Oh, I feel like I want to brush my hair out of my forehead, but I'm not moving my arm cool. enough. What does that mean? A couple what of is this stupid video about? Oh, I'm trying to get a job for DC? Oh, yeah. Well, that pans out. That's kind of cool. Wow. Hey, was that a snake in the corner? Oh, man. I lived with a snake. Glad I moved out of that place. That place was a dump. I really, I gotta go to the bathroom. I gotta get out. Out of here. Oh, I'm so much thinner. Oh, so young. Oh, wow. I, the 2016 election hasn't happened yet. Look how hopeful I look. Oh, wow. I'm also hopeful that the Game of Thrones final seasons might actually play out in a way that's satisfying. Get out now, Eric. Get out. Oh, my God. This, um, I'm, I'm starting to lose it. So I'm just going to like mentally project unstuck mind, Eric, back to the top of the episode to prevent this from happening. Yeah. Maybe in another life, brother. Uh, see you in another life, brother! And I... All right, Hector. We have arrived at type 8, our final type. We are calling this the unstuck body time travel. So this one is very interesting. This is uh, where characters' bodies experience changes to their physical properties, detaching them from their environment and inverting those bodies within the system they're in. Oh, interesting. What's really interesting about about this too is that the, the hats you're wearing just keep getting smaller. Keep getting smaller and smaller. <laughs> it's, it's classic comedic heightening. The smaller the hat, the bigger the laugh. So this is kind of like where we see time reversal. So in uh, Doctor Strange, in the Hong Kong battle, there was a really cool thing that we hadn't seen a whole lot in movies where time is moving in reverse while characters are moving forward and using that reversing time for strategic advantage. So, like, he's able to use a reassembling building to trap 
one of the zealots. And I really thought that's cool. so cool. And I feel like Christopher Nolan saw that. He's like, I could make that into a whole movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, because that's basically what Tenet is. Avengers Endgame also taps into this very briefly, just for a joke. But it's where they're experimenting. And they move time through Scott Lang. And they re-age his body. They accidentally discover immortality, if you think about it. Okay, let's talk about Tenet. I, we made a whole other big question episode dealing with the uh, the laws of thermodynamics and entropy. If you watch the movie by the time you're seeing this episode, you probably know a bit more. But go watch that episode and we'll be making more and more videos about Tenet. But basically it deals with the concept of Maxwell's demon that uh, supposes that a door could be opened between systems that allows some kind of like cosmic divine force to predict where particles will go what what kind of quantum trajectory they have so you're able to control a system and basically control something like entropy which basically is the natural destabilization of the universe so if you're able to reverse that you can invert one thing within a system whether it's a, a bullet or a body or a car or a boat you can invert the entropy of that and move in a different vector an opposite vector I don't know if I fully understood what I just said. Yeah, you blacked out there for a second, but you look good. <laughs> but the, the key to this type is that you're only focusing the inverted time on one body within a system. Best example of this, and everyone needs to go watch this movie, it's called Primer. To date, it is the most thoughtful time travel film ever made, to a fault, because it's um, not necessarily the best acted film. What? No! It's a very small budget. It's amazing that they accomplished what they accomplished. So there are all kinds of infographics you can see on how Primer works, but basically engineers develop a way to enter a box. They get primed over several hours, and then they travel back in time over the course of that so that they can meddle with the past. Meanwhile, their old version of themselves has to go hide in a hotel room so they don't interfere with themselves. But they can't ever go back to before that box was first turned on. Yep. Uh, that's the key. So they can never go back beyond that first origin point. But then they create loops within loops, uh, there's other fail-safe boxes, uh, there's boxes within boxes, but it's one of the most fascinating and mathematically accurate versions wow. of time travel that works the same way of the unstuck body. Is this version of time travel the most realistic? Turns out, yes. Yay! So Christopher Nolan's Tenet, Primer, this is the most based on what quantum mechanics experts are experimenting on. Last year, mathematicians used an IBM quantum computer, similar to what I guess Tony Stark had in Endgame, they simulated a way to undo the aging of a single elementary particle by one millionth of a second. It was all simulated. They didn't actually do this, but they showed that if they could control all the variables in nature, they could theoretically stop the aging of something and reverse the aging. This is all based on quantum mechanics, the uncertainty principle that basically says that Einstein must be wrong for this to be true. Oh, hell no. It's very scary. But they did acknowledge at the end of the experiments that real-world nature is just too complex, too chaotic, that you can never control the variables like that. But Christopher Nolan thinks he can. Whoa, that's so cool. Yeah. This is our most scientifically accurate version of time travel. With Tenet, we are now entering a new age of time travel fiction that's the most grounded yet in real-world physics. It allows us to see what true inverted entropy or quantum mechanics would look like applied to the real world unstuck yeah. bodies uh and since this is the most realistic version of time travel we've found it i'm gonna reverse unstuck body eric back to the top to just make sure no one else f***s anything up fatality
All right, uh, we're gonna quickly thank some uh, people who helped us make this episode, starting with our friends at Bespoke Post. As we all settle into this new normal version of summer, Bespoke Post is here with customized boxes of awesome for you guys, guaranteed to upgrade your life. Bespoke Post only sends guys the best stuff every month, no matter what you're into, Box of Awesome has you covered. From style and grooming goods to barware, cooking tools, outdoor gear, Box of Awesome has carefully built collections for every part of your life. One of their current boxes looks super cool is their Turbo Box from Drive Coffee. It's all these different coffees that are like automotive themed and they come in containers that look like oil and gas cans. Whoa, it's cute. That's cool. Yeah. There's also the Forge Box that comes with a really cool looking Damascus steel pocket knife. It's perfect for whittling on the porch like Ron Swanson or shaking at the squirrels that keep stealing your birdseed. Hey, come on. Now to get started, take the quiz at boxofawesome.com. Your answers will help them pick the right box of awesome for you. They release new boxes every month across a ton of different categories. It's free to sign up and you can skip a month or cancel anytime. Each box only costs 45 bucks, but it has over $70 worth of gear inside. Nice. Get 20% off your first monthly box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com and enter the code BIGQUESTION at checkout. That's boxofawesome.com code Big question for 20% off your first box. And real quick, we want to also thank our friends at DoorDash for sponsoring this episode. You can continue to support restaurants in your community safely by using DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you food you're craving right now, right to your door. Ordering is easy. You just open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. With over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, Australia, you can support your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, nom, 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 Wendy's, Wom, or Cheesecake Factory, nom, 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 nom. And shout out to Cheesecake Factory for their good Iva chocolate cheesecake, which I had for my birthday this year, which I can now get safely delivered right to my door by DoorDash. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local restaurant, and your food will be left at your door. DoorDash deliveries are now contactless to keep communities we operate in safe. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code BIGQUESTION. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code BIGQUESTION. Don't forget, that's code BIGQUESTION for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. We're now going to move on to some bite-sized questions that Hector is going to answer for us. You ready, Hector? I'm ready. All right, so our friend Unbentalone on Discord asks, did Captain America create a domino effect when telling his past self that Bucky was alive and also whispering Hail Hydra to sit well in the elevator? I think yes, because my theory is that the way that time travel was explained to the audience in Avengers Endgame, even with the visual representation from the ancient one with that cool little line that travels uh-huh. through the movie, I think this is the major hang up in explaining the time travel is the visual representation. Because if you listen to the words that Bruce Banner and the ancient one are saying, she's talking about how Every time you take away one of these stones, it's going to create a new branching reality. And your reality, Bruce Banner, with the stones may be fine, but this one is going to be left unguarded. And then Bruce Mm. says, I don't think the science supports that. If we go back and bring the stones back to that reality, he says, in that reality, it's like the stones never left, is what he he describes. So Uh the visual then erases that completely. And I think that's where people get tripped up where they go, oh, that means that if you put the stone back, the alternate reality gets erased completely not necessarily because Mm. we're going to get a loki show it's that loki that disappeared that 2012 avengers you know fight sequence where the uh, the present avengers went back into the past of 2012 
and Captain America was messing with the Hydra soldiers and messing with his past self and having to fight America's ass, he is going to set things up in that reality. When he tells himself Bucky's alive in 2012, two years before he finds out in 2014 in Captain America the Winter Soldier, I think that Steve is going to go investigate it. And when he says Hail Hydra to Jasper Sitwell, I think that that Sitwell is going to tell that Robert Redford and I think that they're going to kick things off a little bit sooner. They're going to go, what is Steve? Does he know about us or is he in on it? And that's going to, that, that means that that Jasper Sitwell, the next time he sees Steve Rogers is going to go, hell Hydra. And Steve's going to go, what did you say? And that's going to start things a little bit different. But it's fine oh, because okay. it's all an alternate reality. We're going to get uh -huh. the multiverse of madness in Doctor Strange 2. I think we're going to see that explored. We got it teased in Spider-Man Far From Home, but that was a scam. That wasn't real. That wasn't real. Jake Gyllenhaal was from our reality, not some other reality. To answer the question, I do think that he is creating a domino effect. And if we never see it, because Chris Evans may be done, I feel like that's the perfect opportunity to do something in animated form or for Marvel to put out a comic. That's like oh, an yeah, official yeah. MCU tie-in. That's like, by the way, here's what happens in this reality. I love that. I shit. would love that too. Yeah, whether an episode of What <laughs> If or something, or yeah, uh, tie-in comic. That'd be amazing. All right, next question. Civilian from our Discord asks, how was Mantis able to sleep a celestial like Ego, but couldn't keep Thanos in a trance that long in Infinity War? I would love to get your take on this, Erica. I have a couple of ideas, but the main uh -huh. one I was thinking about was that Mantis was very used to putting Ego to sleep. She uh -huh. had been kind of, growing up and being raised by him and it was a very yeah. weird and interesting relationship but <laughs> he was keeping her there for the purpose of her using her powers on him whereas this is the first time she even laid hands on thanos you know what i mean this is a completely that's right new yeah being so that's my take is that mantis was just more experienced and more familiar with ego and ego's insanely complex brain patterns and different things that make ego ego whereas thanos is an entirely new beast Eric, do you have any other ideas, thoughts, or theories? Yeah, some have said um, maybe, like, Ego lets Mantis do it to her, whereas Thanos was fighting her off. But, like, Mantis tries to do that later with Ego when he doesn't want her to do it. But, yeah, what you say makes a lot of sense. I also, I mean, let's acknowledge the power levels are always kind of out of whack. Theoretically, as a Celestial, Ego should be more powerful. But I think Ego used to be more powerful. His, like, origin point is a brain floating through space. He actually had a life. There's a theory that he, the, the skull that Nowhere was, might have had Ego's brain and so he was decapitated by by null with the necro sword oh, cool do you think we're gonna get null in the mcu like you're talking about the venom right like, it's, god, it's more right? tied to uh yeah to venom and carnage it's a symbiote god i don't know i feel like that's a sony property disney's gonna have to buy sony before they could do yeah. that but they can hint at it they can totally hint at it but thanos had four infinity stones when he was shaking her off and i think that's a big thing the mad titan with four infinity stones is more powerful than ego is all right one uh question more for you brooka asks would professor x be able to cause an event similar to the snap using cerebro because in X2, we see him almost wipe out all the humans. Could he do this to half of all life in the universe? Well, here's the other thing that I love to talk about that's so awesome about Marvel and DC comic book universes and a lot of fictional universes. Like, I'm a big Trekkie and I'm into Star Trek. Star Trek has only ever dealt with the galaxy. That's uh -huh. it. And so has Star Wars because a galaxy is already so unfathomably huge that to then go beyond that and go, no, 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 not just our galaxy, but every galaxy in the universe... That's what the Green Lantern Corps covers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what the Guardians of the Galaxy may cover the galaxy, but they also go to different parts of the universe. The Marvel Universe is much bigger than that. It's insane. So when you say, can, could Cerebro really kill half of all life in the universe? My instantaneous response is, no way, Jose. Absolutely no way could a machine built by a person, now that person is a mutant, sure, but could a machine built by a human being 
do what the primordial stones of the building blocks of the universe do, yeah, do when they're put know. together, I go immediately no. But it is fun to think about. It is fun to speculate. And it's especially fun because the MCU is set up to be that larger universal storytelling. The X-Men movies that we've gotten in Fox's X-Men film series have really only been relegated to Earth, except for like X-Men Dark Phoenix, which had the uh, Jessica uh -huh. Chastain alien come down. Yeah, and CR. it's like when you bring in the Phoenix Forest, it's, it, I feel like those films have been focusing on their own thing, but also in a way limited because they are not able to just be like, let's bring in, you know, Galactus and let's bring in the Silver Surfer right. and let's bring in all these different elements. Of the, let's bring in Thanos. Let's bring in the Infinity Gauntlet. Which is what mo makes Marvel great is the opportunity that these people could show up. Absolutely. Yeah. When I think about this, you know, fun potential storylines are like, look, Black Panther and like the nation of Wakanda eventually go to space. Like that's yeah. crazy. That's yeah. crazy bonker stuff. And the X-Men are flipping around in space all the time. Scott oh, Summer's yeah. dad has been in space. Yeah, yeah, He's yeah. the leader of the Star Jammers. Like, that <laughs> yeah. stuff we haven't gotten in movies yet. If and when we see the X-Men in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, maybe something like that could be more of a possibility. Maybe that Charles Xavier could be building Cerebro with, like, Kree or Scroll tech. I don't know. That's that could right. be cool. You, you never know what we could get with um, potential story threads in, in that regard. So in the world of X2, probably not, but beyond in the future, theoretically, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, we have time for one more bunch of scrap questions, what we call it here, Hector. Keeping on the theme of time travel, our question, if you could time travel to interact with your younger self using any of the eight forms we talked about, well, not all, because not all of them could do that, what specific piece of advice would you give or what decision would you make differently? Oh boy, I can't think of any big major bad decisions. I think the main thing I would say would be like, hey, try to move to Los Angeles from San Diego way sooner. Cause you're yeah. really just wasting some time in San Diego. Like get up there. Maybe you could have had Aziz Ansari's career on Parks and Recreation <laughs> if you had head up to LA earlier, started doing improv earlier, you know. Who knows what could have happened? Eric, you know about this being in the in the improv comedy in Los Angeles, the community. There's lots of stories of like, yeah, there's a group of folks who just were kind of here, right place, right time. And right place, right time. They're yes. all in movies now. And it's oh, like, oh, yes. really? I missed that? I missed it? Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, and you hear about this, especially in New York. Like, there was a period in the early 2000s in New York where you had, like, the guy who created Bob's Burgers. You have Adam Conover. They were all part of this team called Old English. And they were, like, yeah. so proud of themselves for being the first people to do online sketch. You go back and watch the sketches. They are no funnier or no better yep. produced than the sketches that were made later. But all of them have these huge careers now. Donald Glover was was part of Derek Comedy. They were making, like, yeah. simple, simple stuff with Ellie Kemper and Bobby Moynihan. And all yeah. these people are famous. And they were just right yeah. place, right time. And we got there a decade too late. I, I love it. Listen, and all these people have gotten to where they are and have been able to stay there because they can back their stuff up. They're super talented. I mean, sure, absolutely, nobody's going to yeah. say Donald Glover's not super talented, but I'll, I'll be there. I'll tell myself to go there. <laughs> yeah. If I could go back in time, I guess I should just like, since I promised this. Um, so on my favorite trip I ever went on um, was with my girlfriend. We went to, to London and uh, for her birthday gift, I got us tickets to, it was really a gift for both of us. I got us tickets to Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Do not see that play. That play is trash. <laughs> it sucks. It sucks. Oh and we, man, I'm sorry. We, we both kind of like the production of it um, yeah. because they do magic on stage. Like the actors in it are incredible that they're able to pull us up. But the story, in my opinion, ruins Harry Potter. And it made oh. me like Harry Potter less. And I, wow. we both grew up with Harry Potter. We're huge Potterheads. And like seeing this play, it was also just a stressful day. I stupidly read the tickets wrong and I like made us miss the first 10 minutes. Uh, oh, no. I, I was super well, stressed see, out. Those first 10 minutes, 
provided the context for the rest. That's why you guys didn't Honestly, like it. Honestly, they do. We watched it on a video in the lobby, and I'm like, this is better than everything we saw after. But like, oh man, uh, it's such a, a, a trash thing. But hey, here's the deal. I used to think about this all the time. If I could go back in time and change things, like go to a different college, go to a different high school. And yeah. I used to be that nostalgic person who would like replay events from the past if I had done things differently. But honestly, since meeting the love of my life, I have switched from someone who is nostalgic into someone who's just future thinking. I'm like, if anything went differently, I might not have met her. Right. And that would suck. My life would be not Can nearly you imagine as good. The stress? Can you imagine the stress of going back in time and being like, Eric, you have to be here at this time to meet this person. Otherwise, everything is fucked. Like, whoa, yeah. that's a lot of stress to put on a person. <laughs> yeah, and I, I don't know. If you, if you talk to people who, have, who are lucky to find someone like that, like, they wouldn't change a thing. No matter every bad thing you went through, yeah. you want to just, just thank God that things worked out the way they did. I feel like we should say, because we're not monsters, we would absolutely tell our young selves to prevent 9-11. Uh, of course, <laughs> of course, we're not monsters. We would that do that. should have been both that of our answers our immediately. First, well, first of all, we'll prevent 9-11, but then also go to the comedy scene in LA. I'm a dick. <laughs> that should have been the first thing I said. So well, for both for, of us know. and both of us kids in school, yeah. Yeah. look, that I don't pressure. care if you're trying to figure out uh, cosines and angles in geometry class. You drive up to Boston yeah. Logan Airport and then you tackle that terrorist from getting on my, that plane. My you sixth grade child. self would be like, I'm in sixth grade. You go talk to the government. And I'm like, no, you have to do this. Things are going to get nuts next year. You have to go prevent The whole this. world will change. Yeah. I mean, and honestly, this line of thought, Hector, is even worse. Like, we should have told ourselves to prevent COVID, like COVID's yeah. been an even worse disaster than 9-11 was. I know. Like, but I don't know my, how you my, can prevent my that. Selfishness, my selfishness is like, tell my kid self to like, go prevent Chris Farley from dying. Like that's, oh, what, yeah. that's just save one guy, Chris Farley, just save one just guy. Save, just save one. <laughs> <laughs> the world would pretty much be the same, but he's around. So that's yeah. better. That'd yeah, be, that'd be yeah, better. Yeah. Well, this has been one of my favorite episodes of Big Question, Hector. <laughs> it has been so great to go through all the different... I think we hit pretty much every time travel story. If you have a question of one we didn't cover, ask us. We could probably fit uh, in, in one of those eight categories. And hopefully yeah. we'll have more categories of time travel as the future reaches forward, if there is a future. Well, a uh, reminder that you can join us on our official Discord by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash newrockstars. You can get an audio version of the show by subscribing to New Rockstars Big Question, wherever you get your podcast. Send us your big questions on Twitter using hashtag question follow me at Avos. follow hector at hector is funny and he is right. funny you're you're not going to regret following hector it's it's always a laugh <laughs> uh following him on all social media and be sure to uh check out correctamundo on the el rey network that looks thank awesome you. hector yeah thank you so much we're able to do a fun show from home and hopefully people like it and hopefully we get to do more it's lots of uh i'm learning a lot i thought i knew about movies and in doing a movie trivia show you learn a lot of bunch of weird, cool, funny, <laughs> awesome stuff. So it's going to be great when uh, people get to uh, to check it out. Yeah, absolutely check that out. And be sure to follow New Rockstars on social. Subscribe here on YouTube to get too much information on all the stuff you care about. See you in another life, brother. <laughs> <laughs>